0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash register.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. Today's Wednesday, May 19th. Creating strong collaborative relationships between automakers and suppliers to drive innovation is something that continues to improve in the automotive industry. It's been studied and celebrated for years, including here at Automotive News through our long-running Supplier's Choice Study and the annual PACE Awards. According to Brian Debler, Principal Engineer for Human-Machine Interface, or HMI, at Mitsubishi Electric Automotive America, those relationships are increasingly important, particularly as automakers turn to the know-how in the Tier 1 supply base to help tackle the complexity and opportunities surrounding how humans digitally interact with their vehicles. While he says the industry is playing a little bit of catch-up in the area of HMI compared to companies like Netflix, Debler believes automotive companies are learning and adapting quickly to understanding and delivering on consumers' digital cockpit needs. It's not an easy effort, however. Designing today for a vehicle that may not be available for three to five years creates some complex challenges, especially given the accelerating pace of innovation. How can automotive companies working around HMI predict today what consumers are going to want tomorrow? What digital cockpit technologies will become more popular in the future? We've caught up with Brian Debler, HMI Principal Engineer at Mitsubishi Electric Automotive America. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: doing terrific. HMI, human-machine interface, certainly uh, emerging technology. Um, Talk to us a little bit about why HMI is so important to delivering on consumers' in-vehicle expectations.
2: Well, I think the best way is to think about what you just said, HMI, human-machine interface. It is as encompassing as all interactions that a human being would do with a system. Uh, So that includes voice it includes touch uh, it includes what's displayed to users Uh, so you can have a system that could do something truly spectacular but if nobody can interact with it nobody can find where the buttons are or uh, they're too sensitive or not sensitive enough not taking into account factors of uh, a person driving all that can just tank the experience Uh, a lot of that goes into user experience design uh, more so than just pure HMI itself, but uh, um, it's a very gray line between the two, really.
1: So, I recall back in 2009, 2010, young folks, Gen Y, millennials, they were all about, just give me an iPad on wheels. Mm. Has the technology matured to a point where automakers are delivering on that ask relative to how people inside their vehicles interact with the machines, given these digital interfaces?
2: not yet and there's a variety of good reasons why um i think that's kind of the direction we're heading certainly that the vehicle becomes like another terminal for our digital identities something which we can um bring our calendar bring synchronize with our life bring our contacts connect Mm -hmm. our phones uh, our playlists, things like that. So certainly that describes phones and tablets, and certainly that is where the vehicle's heading. But there's still a great number of challenges to get to that point. Um, so we're not quite there yet. That's it, I, I guess we just take little bites out of it at a time and figure out how to make it work. Uh, part of that isn't... Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with both the technology to support that environment we want and <laughs> Um, dare I say some of the legal uh ramifications of that environment too, because if you started open if you open up a third party app on a phone, well something goes weird if assuming uh there was nothing malicious to the app that's kind of on you. You put the app in place, but you put that in a vehicle, you have a very different use case there very different um uh potential liabilities you know because drivers are driving, so they're uh potential for distraction whose fault is it things like that that's a piece of the puzzle not the entire problem but a piece of where we're not quite to that um tablet on wheels yet
1: Well, to your point, right, if something goes wrong, the consequences in this industry versus your iPhone or your Mm -hmm. tablet are such, such greater on a scale, not only with passenger safety, but consumer protections, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It seems very complex. Let me ask you, how much are OEMs placing, how much reliance, I should say, are OEMs placing on suppliers to develop these HMI solutions, not only from a use case a customer experience perspective but perhaps also in some of the challenges that you outlined with consumer safety consumer privacy uh, uh protection of the software and the interface are, are oems relying on suppliers to a great deal to help uh deliver these type of capabilities
2: i'd say yes the uh they're developing those capabilities internal to themselves but uh OEMs are putting together a very complicated product, and when you really get down to it, they're doing this on a yearly cadence. It's quite a bit of pressure, and they need to rely on expert suppliers, and that's true for, you know, brakes and tires and all sorts of things. So having that for digital environment, uh, digital elements of the cockpit certainly makes sense as well. That said, they're also savvy to the fact that this is a very visible, very compelling interaction Uh, between previously a vehicle that had really no ability to talk or express itself outside of chirps and lights. So um, OEMs are starting to bring more of those capabilities into their, uh, you know, their uh, staff so that they can solve these problems itself. And they're savvy to the language that uh, is really being defined with these new digital experiences and vehicles.
1: Well, I I would imagine it also creates a new uh, basis for competition, right? There's performance, there's reliability, there's quality Mm -hmm. that comes with the traditional things that we've known for, you know, depending on how old you are, with traditional things that come with with a vehicle. Um, HMI seems... At least in my view, where I set a new basis for that competition. when I'm in the vehicle, I enjoy the experience, the dashboard is giving me what I want in a way that is comfortable, that is intuitive. It seems to me that this is also a a, a new areas where OEMs can compete to drive loyalty, to drive customer loyalty, keep 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 uh, customers coming back for next generation vehicles. How do you think OEMs are 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 embracing that basis of competition? um.
2: I think it's a challenge for them. Uh, I've seen some that are uh, overwhelmed by it. One OEM I worked with many years ago now, they said, look, our sales are growing. We're doing a fantastic job of growing our base and our brand identity, especially in the States. Uh, But we uh, have a very poor infotainment system. And we're not looking to necessarily wow them with this infotainment. We just need to make sure it doesn't tank the sale. Mm. Because their infotainment was in that kind of place. Um, others look at it as a high differentiating factor, where they want to really continue the branding experience of the cockpit into the clu- uh, the visuals of the screen, uh, into the cluster, and really show compelling interactions to their users that they can start to associate with the brand. It's uh, it makes sense, but in it's it's also difficult because. Uh, You can end up inventing too much. You can end up putting too much concern into the wrong things and missing uh, the real important fact that you're trying to help these drivers drive their car and help them manage their life.
1: It seems that the... Vehicle development process around this could be much more accelerated than perhaps axles or drivetrains or mirrors, even. How far in advance are you designing HMI or digital cockpits, and how do you design something today? that can evolve with emerging technology, can evolve with changing consumer expectations. How do you plan and build something today that might not be on the road for another three to five years?
2: Well, part of it is uh, you try everything. You start looking Hmm. at all the possible trends that are out there and get your feet wet with all of them. Uh, See the advantages of a HUD. Uh, Look at digital cluster and what kind of support it takes to run that. Uh, Look at you know, the the points for hardware or how much memory you're going to need. Um, and I think uh, another piece of it is staying savvy to developments and other, tre- uh, other market areas like, uh, you know, smart TVs, for example, Internet of Things, uh, as appliances are starting to even get some of these uh, touchscreen interfaces to try to integrate with your life. So it, a way that we kind of look at it is explore all of them and uh, start – Seeing what sticks, what resonates with people when uh, when we go and we demonstrate these, we see what really uh, stands out and what uh, we get a smile out of or a reaction out of from uh, people when we do demonstrations. But uh, another part of it is also paying attention to market trends and looking at where… Um, your you know understanding these are the demographic who are looking for this vehicle this is the kinds of things they're looking to do with this vehicle now how can we incorporate technology that makes those trends makes those uh, activities more compelling for them easier for them to do so how do
1: you is that something you can do without investing massive capital It it sounds like you're you're talking about is, and this may be wildly to layman's for what you're talking about, but it seems like it's a, you know, the taste test, if you will. Do you like this soda versus this soda, blind taste test, but it's easy to do for a consumer package good. It's easy to do in these other industries. That seems hard to do when you're talking about these massive technology investments uh, within a vehicle at a scale that's millions of units a year. Can you do that testing that you're talking about with consumers in a way that's cost effective that gets those insights without these these huge massive outlays
2: uh I think it's possible I think it's also as you mentioned very problematic because of the scale there uh, in the case of our uh, i I suspect you know many of our competitors do the same we really look at it as uh, prototypes and demonstration vehicles and uh, solutions of that sort to flesh out the concept and be able to show it to somebody put it in front of test uh audiences and potential consumers and get them to evaluate it do it on a small scale it makes the one product very difficult to or very costly and uh some time to produce it but the actual work itself uh is not outrageous in terms of development so if you're mindful of scale scope and budget which i mean those are just common problems with any project you have. Um, you can make it work. You know, the main thing is if you focus on the user interaction and making that compelling, that's how you can bring it all together. How does this
1: industry compare to others that you know, right or wrong? They're often compared to leading in this these digital platforms that engage consumers. Right, you're a Netflix, you're a Google, you're an Amazon. You have these user experiences, these digital user experiences that keep you coming back for more. How does the automotive industry compare to the way they're thinking about this, the way that they're delivering those HMI experiences? How does that compare to other industries that are often seen as leaders in this space?
2: Well, I think one logistic that I think a lot of people don't realize is that uh, the hardware involved is a different grade of hardware. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take your cell phone, leave it out in the sun, and see what happens. See how well it runs. You know, just let it cook in the sun for four or five hours. Uh, it, the heat. You know, these devices aren't meant to take that kind of torture. Cars, mm-hmm. on the other hand, absolutely have to, and more. So uh, that's uh, does demand a higher grade of hardware, and uh, I think the you know supporting industries out there keep up with that. But um, that's that's one piece of it. The second part, if I remember your question right here, um, had to do with the other industries out there and how they're uh, developing and kind of iterating as they go and that there's pressure to keep up with that from the automotive side. Well, it's just
1: it's a compare and contrast, right? You Mm -hmm. you, man, I want that to be like an Amazon. Hey, I want that to be like Ah, Google. Right. And it just you see these other industries that seem to be getting it right. And I think. Maybe you know. Maybe it's an opinion. Maybe it's 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 just a a broad brush view of HMI experiences within the vehicle. Certainly, they've gotten a lot better over the last you know 10, 15 years, uh, exponentially so. But for some reason, in my mind, you always see these great digital user experiences being attributed to brands and companies that aren't in the business of moving people or things. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as to why and what's it going to take for an automotive brand or an automotive experience to be at the top of that list. I mean, even some of these mobility providers like an Uber, like a Lyft, are are beginning to encroach on that type of, hey, I go to that brand because it's it's a user experience that I enjoy. It's easy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, are we in this industry there when it comes to HMI, or or or, and what's going, and if not, what's it going to take you think to get there?
2: So, I, to answer the, that second part, there, I absolutely agree that people compare automotive industry experiences for digital cockpit with, uh, you know, fire TV with. Uh, Uh, iPhones with Android phones. They're definitely looking at these experiences from these other devices in their life and saying, why isn't my car like this? Kind of plays back to that um, starting to envision the car as another component in someone's life and how it integrates. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of it is uh, catch up. There's that hardware case where, okay, we need this computing power. We need this memory. We need this storage capacity, et cetera. Um, and all that's catching up to where, uh, users are going, you know, where the same comparable technology on mobile and other devices, but the other part of it is, uh, experience, you know, it's still new to have, uh, internet browsing or, uh, Diagnostic trouble codes or something like that that you could see and interact with the user we 've given vehicles a screen, and uh, now what the vehicle is telling us and what it wants us to do and interact with it is still going to be a uh, emerging trend and uh and i, I expect much like alltech it's it eventually uh converges in some level you know where mm-hmm. uh, people say, "Wow, I like what they." they're doing with their solution let me uh let me try some of that myself this should work here or maybe if i adapt it a little bit this way so yeah there's there's absolutely catch-up that they're doing um but i mean i think the pace of that's accelerating too yeah absolutely
1: and i you know even even the 10 years that 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 since you know i've i've been studying this and been exposed to this um you know that the ipad on wheels uh, notion where we started a few minutes ago i even even since then, I you know where this this human machine interface, where this in vehicle um, uh, experiences has just grown leaps and, and bounds. So from your perspective, then if i'm if I'm tracking this, this is a for us to get there and us being the automotive industry, it is a it is a challenge on three fronts then. It is a software, maybe even four fronts. It's a software challenge. It's a hardware challenge. It's a capabilities to keep up with automotive use requirements. And is it maybe a talent requirement as well? We don't have the people in automotive that know how to do this type of stuff yet or or there's a skills gap, if you will, in folks in the, with, with the talent in the automotive industry to do that. Am I, am I reading that right? or would you would you disagree? I,
2: I think I would say that that's kind of the case. I would I would expand on your talent case there. To uh, I would broaden it even and say the trick is it's understanding what the vehicle uh, what makes sense in a vehicle, and uh, the best way the right now the best people in the industry to do that are your user experience experts, you know, mm-hmm. who have studied uh, the art and science of user experience and understand how to put designs in front of users early and iterate through them and um, really come up with compelling experiences that make sense in a car.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
0: Consumers today are pushing for remote and virtual experiences. What you may think is a simple fix by going fully online quickly results in an even bigger problem, loss of control and shrinking profit margins. The question isn't if you go online, it's how. How is it done in a way that you don't sacrifice the success of your overall dealership? The answer? Tune in starting May 17th for a virtual summit hosted by Reynolds & Reynolds. You will gain educational insight into all things digital retail, challenges to the status quo, how to retail anywhere without sacrificing anything, and the true impact on dealerships just like yours through one-on-one dealer conversations. This event is on us and on demand. Grab a seat while they last. We hope to see you there. To register for the virtual summit and learn more about retail anywhere, visit reyrey.com slash register. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y.com slash register. So let me ask you
1: then, one thing that I think is interesting, also, uh, lots of things, are quite frankly, are interesting about this topic. Th- one thing that I think, when you when you think about the automotive supply chain, right, and you think about some of these other examples that we've talked about, in Apple and Amazon, you know, they tend to build these things in house, right, and and outsource the actual manufacturing of stuff. This industry is a lot different, mm-hmm. working with the decentralized supply chain and multiple suppliers and multiple suppliers that you know are are competitors that deliver often a lot of. Of the same capability, certainly in differentiated ways. How do you go about developing a system that aligns with your OEM's customers' design, their philosophy, their brand identity, and also deliver something that's different than your competitors and what consumers want? That seems very hard.
2: You got that. (laughs) It is. It certainly is. Um, I think a lot of it is uh, listening to your users is a very key part and not listening to what they fill out on a survey, but listening to their needs and trying to understand, uh, dare I say social trends, but also going out and interacting with your own vehicle and seeing like what being aware that when you have those moments where you're like, you know, this is inconvenient. Is there a way that this could be made nicer? You know, uh, In whatever small fashion, whether it's uh, you're at a stoplight and you're trying to occupy your time or uh, you're waiting for a curbside pickup or something like that. These are things that uh, you can think about how to improve upon and see, you know, to say, okay, what what here can I use this technology in the vehicle to uh, make easier for them? How can I make this a nicer experience? And uh, you just keep asking that question. And I think in terms of how that ties into OEMs, that's where you start to understand the demographic and say, well, these are people who are buying these vehicles for hauling or for families, for pets. Uh, Maybe they're buying them for fuel economy. Maybe it's an electric vehicle. That's where you start to really uh, piece together and say, okay, if it's an electric vehicle, what? Uh, how can I make their experience nicer? How can I make it easier for them to operate this vehicle or uh, maintain this vehicle? And uh, I guess overall, it's ask a lot of questions and start trying to uh, work with your customers. You know, we work with OEMs. OEMs, in turn, give us their audience or work with their audience, but... Um, it's about really just asking those questions and making assertions about what makes sense to your given audience it's
1: a different type of relationship also with with suppliers and and quite frankly OEM supplier relationships have gone a long way it, it's it has gone pass the you know, 5% down cost containment, cost reduction, it seems like the very best relationships and we've actually done research over many years here at Automotive News through our Suppliers Choice Study that says right, those suppliers that have very close collaborative working relationships with their suppliers like trust and 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 openness and and willingness to come in early on innovation have the very best relationships in their efforts to drive innovation innovation. It seems like many of those things, particularly in this area, are required if you're going to be able to keep up with consumer demand, consumer expectations, as well as being very aligned with the brand messaging that the OEM wants. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think uh, a piece of it where there is a little bit of struggle I do see in the industry is um, you can't approach the problem of doing HMI uh, for digital cockpits as the same way you would for designing an axle or brakes or something. Mm-hmm. It's not something where scientifically you're trying to eliminate weight or improve resistance or all the other terms that I certainly don't know. Um, it's, it's a much more akin to art because you uh, produce something you're trying and, and, and in the best cases you're iterating through it. You produce something, you see how it's reacted uh, see how try it out. See if the button was big enough. See if uh, it was clear enough. If it was easy enough to use, take your findings and improve your design. Continue. Um, and that sort of iteration definitely requires that close collaboration, uh, which is just key.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's close with one more question. Let's look ahead. What digital cockpit technology do you envision becoming more popular? Why? And do you think that consumers will actually pay a premium to get access to those features?
2: So I've, I guess looking ahead, it's very, of course, difficult to predict. Um, but I think what will make the most sense for consumers is not something where it just revolutionizes, uh, turns on overnight, but it'll be ways that the system improves in small cases over time. Uh, I do think, personally, I feel like heads-up displays are something that has some appeal and uh, could very potentially grow. Uh, I think rear-seat entertainments have uh, uh, a strong potential to grow because the cost of adding screens is going to, um, I guess, go down with time. And as it does, having additional displays in the rear seat start to become easier. Uh, I think a lot of the improvements, though... Uh, Oh, actually, one other one before I go off on that tangent was uh, cameras. I do think cameras are probably going to become more common in vehicles. Uh, You're going to start getting surround cameras, start getting um, internal cameras, you know, so an ability to um, see your own cockpit from uh, a remote. So uh, a piece of it, too, is that. This, uh, with no real clear path forward or necessarily uh, as, as the industry matures and it tries to forge its own path as opposed to just following in the footsteps of others, uh, it's also going to become... am trying to think of the right way to say it. Um, you don't necessarily... You're, you're going to have to throw more ideas out there because you don't necessarily know what's going to stick and resonate with people. And... Uh, uh, guess that doesn't quite answer what is coming <laughs> sorry about that
1: well um, no i think i think you touched upon a lot of these technologies and you know again another one of the things that i do in my my role here is i'm the director of pace and uh which is our our supplier driven innovation program and we've just announced the finalists for this year's program and some, some of these technologies were were among the applicants and some of them you know are are also being recognized as finalists as we continue with the judging but this notion of inside the camera, monitoring of drivers, not only from a safety perspective, but it sounds from your perspective, those cameras are also going to be helpful in creating an in-cockpit experience for these consumers.
2: They are. And I mean, I think a challenging part about uh, cameras in particular is going to be privacy because uh, you want to have uh, an ability to expose... um, Things that matter, you know, if I had a camera and I could see inside my vehicle or see the rear view display of my camera uh, vehicle right now, that's kind of neat. But at the same time, you don't want to necessarily start um, invading the privacy of the owners of the vehicle. You know, it's, it's a little bit easier if you have uh, a family. So you're aware of who's got the vehicle and things like that. But it becomes a little more complicated as uh, uh, tech you know, the technology is out there, it starts to become like, well, we can monitor your vehicle's position for um, safety, for example, or for emergency cases, you know, well, the danger becomes when do you turn that on? And uh, how much does it intrude into people's lives? Uh, I think that's, I, I think the other one you had mentioned about was will people pay a premium for this? I think the unfortunate answer is no. I think that as time goes on, these are going to start to become more and more basic expectations. I think that there's some degree to which people will pay a little bit more. Uh, and I, I guess I would mitigate or call that the medium fry price where <clears> the medium <throat> fry is out that. there. Yeah, because the medium fry is you know, one size, but then for a quarter more, you can get just all this extra quantity. You know, So it's like, what's the purpose of having the medium fry? well, to inspire you to buy the large. So I think that there will be some degree to which you can put out an infotainment system and say, yes, but you can get this uh, extra add-on or nav package or voice package. Uh, And I do think that will be something people will be interested in. But uh, I don't think if you make a basic entry-level experience and then have a significant bar to the next experience uh, with more hardware or... Connectivity, I don't see consumers really shelling out for it uh, right now. I think that they're more, the vehicle is going to have to earn their trust and that experience is going to have to become more compelling for them. That's where they might be more willing to invest in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's this balancing act of, act of suppliers and OEMs making these massive technology investments in autonomous and electrified and connected and these types of experiences that we're talking about. And the uncertainty out there of where's the payoff? Are consumers actually going to yep. buy this stuff? I think that, I think that is the balance that automakers and suppliers, this entire industry, quite frankly, continues, to to need to walk that fine line to figure that out. Um, and and ultimately, it boils down to a democratization of this technology that says, right? We've it seen does. it time and time. Everything from Bluetooth to dvds to blu-rays to, to to walkmans to ipods we've seen as these things have been democratized and scaled the costs have come down but consumers you know consumers really aren't willing to pay a premium for these type of things
2: quite right and i think you you touched on another point that i think is uh goes back to what you were saying earlier about oems uh and the relationship with tier ones uh such as mitsubishi electric mm-hmm. the uh it's risky for them to explore all those directions. It's consuming and it's it's a lot of effort. How many of those directions might necessarily pay off? There's a lot to be said for even uh, OEM, who brings all their stuff internal, to still look to a tier one to say, uh, great, I've got the basics covered. Why don't you go explore the future? Show me the stuff that I should be learning about. Show me these exciting things uh, so that they... Can basically encapsulate that risk. They make the tier one do that research. And uh, the tier one needs to do that research. They've got to stay savvy to what the industry is doing. Uh, OEMs come to them because they're the expert. And I think being an expert isn't just about um, having every answer because the problem evolves so fast and uh, changes so much with time. It's about demonstrating capability to find the answers, to ask the right questions and work with an OEM. That's really where the value of the tier one comes in.
1: Brian, great advice, great perspective. Thank you for joining me today on Daily Drive. Human-machine interface, new basis of competition for the automotive industry. Appreciate you sharing your insights and perspectives
2: today. Thank you much. I appreciate your time.
1: That's Daily Drive for Wednesday, May 19th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com, and to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. Make it a great Wednesday, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow.